0: All right, so there's a lot to cover today. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of review from last week. We had um, covered the first four paragraphs of Chapter 11 in our 1689 Confession of Justification. Um, And then we'll finish up the last two paragraphs, paragraphs five and six. And then I'm going to talk about the uh, Chapter 12 of Adoption, which is one of my personal favorite Uh, chapters of the Confessions, so there's a lot to cover, so I'm just going to launch right into it. Um, So, yes, finishing up this of justification, we're going to do a little review, so we are going to do a pop quiz. Fear not. This is only maybe about 8% of your grade, but 75% of your grade does come with participation, so going to be looking for that. All right. I got a few smiles out of that. We're good. All right. <clears throat> Let's see if you remember some things from last week. True or false? Justification is an ongoing work of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. True or false? Oh! We have some definitive falses. Is there any truth? All right, so... I heard some false over here. Uh, that is correct. What makes that false? Yeah, that's correct. The, uh, I switched up the ongoing work. It is not an ongoing work. It is an act of God's free grace, a one-time act. What happens if it were to be an ongoing work? Works-oriented. Works that's right. It's um, not completely justified. Very good. All right, let's uh, keep it going. God justifies sinners by making them personally righteous. B, by working righteousness in them through sacraments like baptism, when they first believe or maybe none of the above. C. Going for C. Going for A? How does God justify sinners? What's that, Doug? Yeah, so what would you say it is? (laughs) The correct answer is D. None of the above. <clears throat> All right, so let's, uh, let's review a little bit. A is not correct because um, making them personally righteous, this has to do with infusing righteousness into the believer, meaning righteousness is actually put into us so that we are personally righteous. But that, we know that that's not true because there is none righteous, not even one. <clears throat> um, as Doug mentions, um, yeah, that Christ was, uh, his righteousness is accounted to us, it's imputed to us. Uh, we know that it's not by working righteousness in them through sacraments like baptism, meaning that, that for instance, like baptism, Well, God works in you and, and washes all of your sins away through, through baptism, um, he continues to sustain you through communion uh, and other uh, sacraments like that. Um, it's not working in us. That that becomes an internal work. <clears throat> this is all outside. This is Christ. Or C, uh, which I wondered if some might say that when we first believe. This is uh, what I kind of grew up with um, in, in an Armenian church. Um, yes, hey, when I first believed, boom, that that was when um, that was when I was uh, justified. It was uh, my own doing. It was my own righteousness. But we we learn from justification that this was all of grace it's all of christ it's his work it's none on our our own which is a tremendous uh, comfort to us okay yes question Is that the next one? No, that's my favorite. Okay. Um, so, yeah, um, there's, there's different arguments as to when that happens. Oh, well, it's eternally decreed God did that. So um, all, all believers are justified from the moment that God decreed that in Christ. But that would mean then that we are no longer really objects of wrath. Um, we know that we are born children of the devil. We become children of God and must be justified. So, in time, the Holy Spirit, we been through the, the Word of God, through the Gospel, we are effectually called been redeemed, we are justified when we, uh, when we see that, when we believe, we repent. That is the moment that, that the individual believer is justified. The work has been done through Christ, but the personal work in the believer has not yet taken place until they um have their eyes opened by, by the Holy Spirit And now said Yeah so that so C sounds like it, it's it's because it's um, the Armenians would say that, yes, uh, it was my act that justified me. Um, not realizing that it's the Holy Spirit that opens their eyes Bring them to that point when they are justified. truly justified. Effort. I don't know, Pastor White. My my uh, not gonna
1: What was the question? What was it?
0: Question is well, isn't it? Um, kind of see um, when uh, somebody first believes. When the question is, when does somebody become justified? And I am saying that it's even though the work of Christ is done. Um, justification for the believer comes when the Holy Spirit reveals that to them, they are personally justified. Until then, they are still an object of wrath. But once they believe, that's when they are... Huh? Yeah, I see when I'm I'm starting to talk myself into a corner here. Um, It's, um... The reason I put C is because... um, People will say, Well, I was justified when I believed. Not Christ did it for me. And when I saw it, I, I believed. I, I don't know, I'm, I am calling,
2: kind of talking myself so, in a corner. Yeah, it's not because they believe, but it's that's the difference. Not because they believe, but once they believed. Well, so that belief was a gift of God. So maybe it, it's taking that
1: in Yeah. Yeah. From in the confession, it starts with effectual calling. So, when we can talk, we talk about election and predestination, which is an eternity past. Effectual calling is the calling of God, so, uh, calling uh, in, in the sense of uh, regeneration, so the new birth, mm. the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, to give life to the dead sinner, to open eyes, to soften the heart. To which then the sinner responds in faith, in faith and repentance, which is from our vantage point justification, salvation happens. And, and I guess what you're saying is that, uh, rightly so, that we are not justified from eternity past, in the sense that um, the, the the elect are not, you know, walking around. Saved even before they hear the gospel and respond in faith, they are a child of wrath just like the rest. Ephesians chapter 2. Yeah, uh, they are in bondage to sin, Satan, in the world. Uh, they are under the wrath of God until that moment in time when the Lord opens their eyes, brings them to life, and they respond in faith.
0: Yes, by faith. So, in a sense, it is because. Not because they believe, <clears throat> um, but it's a response to the effectual calling of the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, it is because they
0: believe. So, so, faith is a gift. so, so, uh, so would my C cor- uh, answer be correct then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the C was intended to to make it more um, the work of the believer. That was the emphasis. But I can see now that uh, that would be confusing. All right. Yes. Yeah, but I but it, I can see though that it was confusing because it's at the time when they believed believe and they realize I've been justified. Right. The
2: Confession. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Which is very similar to 1688. They are justified the Holy Spirit
0: So that yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the work of Christ, but the person does believe, and at that point justified. So I can see why my uh, answer C was a little confusing on that.
1: <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: yeah, much more than last week is. Yes. All right let 's keep going. Uh, does anyone remember this Latin phrase tutissimo meste? Very good, Kathy. Yes, it was Latin for it is very safe. Why, Why? wait, wait what, what, what does that have to do with anything? Um, so, this had to do with um, Roman Catholic cardinal. His name was Robert Bellamy. He was uh, a fierce fighter against the reformers for uh, this doctrine of justification and relying on Christ alone, but the reformers latched onto this particular phrase that he said in regards to our righteousness versus Christ's righteousness. And he said, well, basically he concedes that when it comes down to it, we should probably rest on the righteousness of Christ and not our own. Meaning, tutisamon este means um, it's very safe to lean on Christ and not our own righteousness. So the reformers, they were rejoicing over that one. They uh, they like, that was a big win for for them, so that's why I threw that in. tutism uh, in este, it is very safe. Correct. Okay. True or false? Faith and works of love are the only instruments of justification.
2: False.
0: False. Why is this false? That's correct. Why is this false? Huh? by that works. That's correct. Faith alone. Why did we talk about this? Because um, in paragraph, um, well, I don't know if it's three or four. Um, let me look it up. <clears throat> we talked about faith is alone, but it's not alone. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Justification. Paragraph two, faith thus receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness is the alone instrument of justification, yet is not alone in the person justified, but is ever accompanied with all other saving graces and is no dead faith but works by love. The works are evidence of the faith that is in the believer. Uh, We explored that a little bit more last week. We talked about how, you know, Even the demons have have a faith. They believe uh, in God, um, and they they tremble. But it's not a faith that leads to repentance. It's not a faith that leads to salvation. So uh, the Reformers were bringing out that um, there's no just um, dead faith that's here. It's going to always be accompanied by works of, of love. But it is faith, though, that is the alone instrument of justification. Okay? So what's the difference between Christ's active obedience and his passive obedience? We talked about that last week, made a distinction. What's his active obedience? Correct. Righteous fulfillment of the law of God. What would be then the passive obedience? subjecting himself to the cross, um, still obedient, but yes, in suffering, in death, <clears throat> um, passive meaning the passions of, of Christ, not an English passive mood, meaning just no action at all, but yes, um, active and passive meaning passive would be um, that uh, part of, of active obedience in the sense but in his suffering, in his uh, death on the cross. Okay. Hey, here we go. When were believers justified? From all eternity, when God decreed to justify the elect by Christ, we just talked about that. When in time the Holy Spirit, through God's word, opens our eyes and unites us to Christ by faith. At the cross, when Christ's work of redemption was completed. Not about D, all of the above. Mm, D, all of the above. Um, we talked about, A, why it's not, because, um, this would say that we're justified right off the bat, so when you're born, you're, you're, you're justified, that's, but we know we're born in sin, um, objects of wrath. Um, C, at the cross, when Christ's work of redemption was completed, you might recall last time we, we said, have you ever heard of anybody saying, oh yeah, when were you saved? Oh, about 2,000 years ago. Um, understand what they they mean by that um yes christ's redemptive work was done at the cross but that sort of veers up meaning that well then because of that now all believers or people who will believe are already justified and we know that that's not true so it is correct be when in time the holy spirit through god's word opens our eyes and unites us to christ by faith all right So we went through, yeah, paragraphs one through four last week. Um, We're going to cover a couple here, the ongoing fruit of justification in paragraph five, and justification and Old Covenant believers in paragraph six. So let's look at uh, paragraph five. God doth continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified, And although they can never fall from this state of justification, they may, yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure. And in that condition, they have not usually the light of his countenance restored to them until they humble themselves, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. Why do you think this one, this paragraph, is in here? What, what is usually what reformers are doing? They are addressing an objection of the day that, that they felt that they need to make very clear uh, a point on justification. So why do we need to have this here? That's correct. Um, and what is antinomianism? Hmm? Against the law. Yeah. uh, Believers hate because um, Christ's righteousness was imputed to them uh, in their justification. They would say, We're no longer corrupted by sin in God's eyes. So we're not going to receive any chastisement for sin. Um, So, you know, actually, we don't really need to preach repentance um, for sin. Uh, But. Reformers make a point to say that God does continue to forgive sins. Um, they also mention this in chapters 3, 13, and 15. Um, there is this admission that true believers will continue to sin throughout this life and, when doing so, receive forgiveness upon uh, repentance. <clears throat> um, not only in this, but also uh, chapters 15 and 17 uh, in our confession do mention that while we might fall into great sin, um, as this says, uh, we will not ever fall from the state of justification. Uh, can somebody read, um, look up for me John 10:28 through 29. Yes, uh, Dick.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that.
0: Yeah, first I want to establish, though, that we, because of our sin, will not be cast off. Um, and that's why I wanted to look up uh, one of their verses they cited, John 10, 28 through 29. Does anyone have that one? Uh, Ricky? Ricky? mentions it twice. This is really a comfort to us. It's God who initiates the salvation in our hearts. It's not us. It's not us or any sin of the true believer that will cast you off. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Um, this dispels the fear. Um, I had a lot of that when I grew up. <clears throat> um, just Was today the day that I went beyond grace? But this is, reformers are indicating, hey, um, no, they can't. But there is another way um, that we can can fall, fall under God's fatherly displeasure. Uh, Spoiler alert, uh, fatherly, it's kind of a hint towards chapter 12, adoption. I like how they threw that in there. not threw that in there. They purposely put that in there. under God's fatherly displeasure. Uh, is it possible for believers to lose God's fatherly love, love towards them? No. Is it possible for believers to lose the sense of God's fatherly love towards them? Yes. Though this might not always be the case... Um, Yes, but why is this here? Uh, it was meant to refute um, the antinomian do- doctrine that, that God's fatherly displeasure and chastisement were inconsistent with his love. That, like like the, the two couldn't go together. So because, hey, hey, God's no longer angry with us, so it doesn't matter how a justified person lives. Well, no. Um, Thomas Watson... He recorded that uh, said, "God's judicial wrath is removed, though God may lay on the rod; yet He taketh away the curse. Correction may befall the saints, but not destruction." And he cites Psalm eighty-nine thirty-one: "My loving kindness I will not take away." So yes, there is there's correction, but not destruction. Pastor Nathan
1: way to think about this is to use the language of like 2 our sins are not imputed to us. So um, they are not counted against us um, in the sense of any sort of um, legal or eternal.
0: We don't get so, the immediate, so immediate,
1: immediate it's mine. And that's why it's I mean, it's just back in Job, right? Well, you're suffering because you've you fallen under God's bodily displeasure because of your sin. And that wasn't the case for them. They were operating on the standpoint of the law instead of um, uh, adoption as, as the children of God. And so we need to be careful of making those distinctions. Hmm. Discipline, constructive mm. discipline, restorative discipline by the Father, there's judicial, there is legal, uh, uh by the state. So that's a great way Serving
0: of time, not uh, versus correcting from the father.
1: But yet the law still continues to show us what brings God's fatherly displeasure. So it's not like we throw the law out, we just understand that even in our fatherly following his displeasure, even in being punished temporarily, it's not a flow out of our connection to law because law is going built in our
2: place. Hmm. Yes.
0: Yes, uh, I thought I had written that down because I, I looked up that, um, that verse. Um, does anyone know that, that one that talks about that um, God loves us and disciplines those whom He loves? It would not be love to not discipline and, and correct. <clears throat> um, and that's why I, I really like. Jason, you had something? Okay, I, I really like how they put fatherly displeasure because that does separate from the the state versus the father because you know like a father and his son um, you know like with my boys when when there's something that's that's not right they they're not going to lose the family name they're they're not going to lo- you're not no longer a brinkley but We do want to maintain that relationship and and continue to work towards things when they they come up. Um, Just the thought, thought, though, of losing intimacy with our Heavenly Father, that should give us pause. That should give us motivation um, when we're thinking of entering into sin. I'm going to lose some intimacy with my Father over this. Jason, what would you have? I
2: was just going to ask Well, I think <laughs>
0: two things. One is at the end here, it gives a way to, to restore that relationship until they humble themselves, beg pardon and renew their faith and repentance.
2: That's more just right? is talking about
0: But you're saying at what point though do we start to Yeah, do we start to question
1: Grieve sins, and for a time continue therein, where they incur God's displeasure and grieve His Holy Spirit. They come to have their graces and their comforts impaired. They have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded. They hurt and scandalize others, and bring temporal judgment upon themselves. Yet shall they renew. They shall renew their repentance and be preserved through faith in Jesus Christ to the end. That's a pretty long mm-hmm. list of the damages of sin. But the true children of God eventually will renew their repentance. Yeah. And you know, it goes back to the proverb that the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. The wicked fall and are destroyed. They fall into their own ruin. They don't get up. And so, uh, again, like, where is it cut off? Well, eventually, those who fall into sin repent as a mark
0: that their faith was never And the Lord gives us those that path to bring about repentance in Matthew 18. Uh, um, how we um, how we address and confront sin. And to the point where the church gets involved and that they still refuse. Then Paul directs us, or Matthew tells us how to how to deal with that. And at some point, yes. Um, we treat them as an unbeliever there's no repentance, there's no seed of of humility.
2: Does that help? Yeah. Okay. And ultimately we aren't the one having the ability to really determine somebody else's justification, like, unfortunately, right? That's God and those are the thoughts and commitments in the heart, right? Where we our job is to use discernment in calling people to repentance and encouraging one another to the good
0: works. Yeah. Well, yeah, even, even church discipline, it's not just a well let's just get rid of that person. It's it's meant to bring them to repentance still. There's there's the call of the gospel that goes out to them. Um, yes, yeah, I say I think a perfect example of Yeah. Definitely under God's fatherly displeasure but still in the line of Christ. It did, did, was not removed. Um, grievous sin of adultery and murder. Yeah. That's a good point. Anything else? Yes, uh, Melanie. He who endures to the end shall And ability
2: to endure comes through Christ. Yeah, amen.
0: Yeah, we're going to see that with. Um, if we get into adoption here, I'm, <laughs> I'm running out of time. Um, this is really good, though. I, I really appreciate the discussion. But, yes, um, <clears throat> if we get to the point about the, uh, in adoption, um, we are, it says one of our benefits, we are given the spirit of adoption. Um, who who helps, um, helps us to cry Abba Father, who um, with himself and, and our spirit um, r- reminds us that we are children of God. Preserves us in our in our salvation, in our, our walk. Um, so yeah, these are these are all things that preserve us. Uh, yes, Stephanie. Yeah, even, even though the unrepentant sinner is going to suffer and be miserable, um, <clears throat> perhaps, until they humble themselves, beg for pardon, have their faith restored, um, there's still that, um, I'm going to say, uh, unrighteous mourning. They're feeling sorry for themselves. They're, they're, they're suffering. But if it's not leading to repentance, um, yeah, it's not, it's not effective. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Um, let's move on a little bit. Go here to paragraph six, the last paragraph, justification. Uh, This is just saying the justification of believers under the Old Testament was, in all these respects, one and the same with the justification of believers under the New Testament. Um, So from the beginning of... Human history, to its conclusion, salvation has always been the same. Faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Let's, let's check this out in Scripture. Galatians 3.9. Some, can someone look up Galatians 3.9? And then somebody look up um, at Romans 4.22-24. through 24. <clears throat> I want you to see this from Scripture. Because sometimes you get that question. Well, how, how, are, how are believers in the Old Testament um, saved? Same way, through faith. All right, who's got Galatians 3 9? Jonathan? So then,
1: those who are of faith are the of Abraham, the end of faith.
0: Okay, so earlier in that chapter was talking about uh, Abraham and, and faith um, from Genesis 15. Um, when it says that his righteousness was accounted to him or his faith was accounted to him as, as righteousness um, and that it was not just for him uh, but it was for uh, the promise was for all nations who, who would be uh, through that in faith romans four twenty two through 24 ethan So again, it wasn't just for Abraham's sake, it was also for all believers as well. Um, so throughout the confession, the um, decree of God has a single plan of salvation that we see first announced in Genesis 3, right, verse 15. Um, in our confession, chapter 8 and 21, tells us that salvation comes by faith uh, in the Son of God before and after the carnation. Or incarnation. <clears throat> so even under the uh, old covenant, uh, justification was still by grace alone through faith alone in Christ uh, or the coming Messiah. So people have, have always been saved in that same way by the grace of God in Christ. Pretty straightforward uh, paragraph. Um, any last questions, Jonathan? Yeah, it's almost kind of um, leading to like covenant works, like like this did it. Uh, Pastor Nathan. Yeah, I, I don't want to open the works here, but uh, I guess a little. Let's go. Let's let's go. <laughs> we to <laughs> I I think we're gonna yeah I think we're gonna do that next week. <laughs> Okay.
1: Right. If you read Calvin on infant baptism, he basically makes two arguments. Because, well, at first is well circumcision, because circumcision and baptism. But his second argument is um, justification is the same in both testaments. So, if justification is the same, the covenants must be the same. Thus, the old covenant and the new covenant are really different administrations of the same covenant. Well, the Baptists very carefully affirm um, this misunderstanding or they ke- very carefully make the argument in opposition to the Anabaptists uh, historically that there are not two ways of salvation, one Old Testament, New Te- one New Testament. They make the case that justification is always the same, and because the Old Covenant in the book of Hebrews that said the blood of God's, and God's will not take away sin, uh, this biblical priesthood is faulty and it cannot save you, um, they make the argument that the Old Covenant New Covenant must then be different. Mm. And yet justification is the same. How is that so? Well, go back to our uh, series on covenant theology for how they formulated that. Mm. The, old, the New Covenant was still active in the Old Covenant. But it's not to be identified with the Old Covenant. Because the old covenant cannot take away sins. So, even if you want to understand this part, you have to understand covenant theology. You have to either embrace the, the Presbyterian system or the Baptist system uh, in order to uphold this. And that's why I get into John's question. You have dispensationalists, you have people who describe the new covenant theology, you have other forms of, of breaking up scripture that really. The justification being the same in, in, in both testaments. There's nothing they, they might affirm it, but it's left hanging. There's nothing supporting it. It's you know. But our, this goes back to our covenant I theology. Why covenant theology is so so important, so that we don't look back and say, "Well, they were saved by works of the Old Testament, they're saved by faith in the New Testament." There's two different the ways of salvation, which runs in contrary direct contradiction to those scriptures right there and others.
0: Now, I haven't looked at this. But is this language different from the Savoy or Westminster?
1: No, it's not. It's the same. But the reason, the way in which we get there is different. Slightly different. Hmm.
0: I did not see that.
1: Okay. Very good. But classic dispensationalism, for example, in other forms, would say, well, believers were saved (coughs) by the old covenant by virtue of their obedience a great
0: Yeah, it uh, reminds me of uh, Psalm 51, um, blood of goats, um, is that how, uh, Lord, you, you do not desire? It was, uh, someone help me out, um, it was a contrite, broken and contrite spirit.
1: Sacrifice is an offering you do not desire. Exactly. What's interesting about David is he committed adultery and murder, which were high-handed sins, which there was no forgiveness or sacrifice in the Old Testament for forgiveness. There was no way for David to be forgiven under the Old Covenant. There was no prescription, no sacrifice he could bring. The priest didn't have that much authority to do that. And he appeals to God directly. Instead of to the terms of the old covenant, which which, again is is beautiful in showing that David Mm. got it, he understood that the old covenant was a time in shadow, it wasn't pointing forward. Mm -hmm. That he needed a greater priesthood, a greater sacrifice, a greater cleansing that's internal, blessed of a pure heart. And and that is the example for us to follow in our day as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was pointing forward to. Messiah and a longing for him to come. Uh, Cody? Yeah, I think
2: even that whole conversation in in this chapter, this paragraph in particular, also highlights the importance of how we read the Old Testament. Uh, Hmm.
1: If it's true that in the Old Testament believers were justified by reading the promises of the coming Christ, how does that change how we today should read the Old Testament? Is the Old Testament just a, a, a Hmm. That paragraph right there. That right there should encourage all of (laughs) us to reassess how we read the Old Testament, looking for what Old Testament readers look for as well—the promised Messiah.
0: That's really good. Okay. So that is justification, Um, pillar of uh, our faith what if we just stopped there we're supposed to go into adoption we'll do that uh, next week but what if we just stopped and we didn't go into adoption is there any implications set free, you can go. (laughs) Um, This is why I really like adoption. This is kind of uh, just an intro into it. Um, There's only one paragraph in the confession about this, but it does have its own own chapter. Um, I, I love that familial type relationship that, that the judge is saying to you, your sins are forgiven, you have been redeemed, you are justified, you are free. If you really understand the, the weight of what has been taken off, you are eternally grateful. But wait. I want you to be a part of my family. You will receive my name. I will be your father, you will be my son, you will be my daughter. And there's a real intimate relationship that the judge now brings you on as a son and daughter. It is a precious truth that sometimes uh, people in the past, uh, I did a paper on this. Sometimes people in the past have said, yeah, the the Puritans, Reformers, they didn't really get it. I mean, they, they, they touched on it here and there. Um, But, um, you know, they they didn't really devote much attention to it. When we get into this paragraph, you're going to see that they clearly understood what adoption was, that it was not merely scholastic, but it was a precious truth of a relationship with their Heavenly Father. And we're going to bring that out um, <clears throat> next Sunday school when we go over this. I think there's plenty, even though it's one paragraph, I think there's plenty there to, to uh, get into for the, um, for the entire uh, Sunday school lesson. So um, any further comments, questions before we close in prayer? Yes, Luke. Uh, so <clears throat> some, some refer to these chapters as the, uh, the golden chain, um, the links of, I mean, it starts in chapter three of our confession about God decreeing <coughs> salvation, but, you know, we especially see it in chapter on effectual calling. And then we have, um, um, so justification, adoption, sanctification, um, all in that order of or ordo Salutis. Um, so yes, it is purposely put in there, and and each builds on one another. You can't have um, one just by itself. They they all go together. Mm. All right. Well, uh, we're out of time, so uh, let's go ahead and pray and send her into worship. <laughs> Father and I, God, we thank you for these precious truths that are revealed in your scripture. And Lord, we're really grateful for um, our uh, fathers that have come before us who took the time to labor over these um, truths in your scriptures, to write out, Father, what it is that uh, we believe. Lord, we understand that they took six years to do this, and we have a copy of this in our, our hands today that, that tells us what we believe. The scripture say, and so we thank you for this, and thank you for the opportunity to study it this, uh, this morning, for Lord, this all points to Christ, this all points to his glory and his finished work on the cross in our lives, <clears throat> Lord, for all eternity, Lord, we give you the glory for that, and uh, Lord, we have thankful hearts then as we uh, enter into worship here in a moment, we ask that you would be with us. During this time of worship, God, we thank you for this opportunity to be here together, gathered as the saints under your name.
2: In your name we pray. Amen.